Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with La and Mini. How are you this morning, Mini? I'm really good. You're really Very good tired. this morning. You're really tired yeah. this morning and really good. Okay, so you've been doing radio for what now, a month? Oh, a couple of weeks? I don't know. It hasn't been a month yet. Hasn't been a month yet? I think it must be getting to be right. Whatever. I don't know. How and you have, you have not yet learned that <laughs> breakfast radio involves no social life. No, you, you know, the problem is I have learned and I keep just making the wrong decision. Because <laughs> yeah, you know this. It's you a conscious this. choice. And I'm like, no, but it'll be fine this time. And I'm like, self, you know better. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And what are you thankful for this morning? I'm really thankful for my big brother. So he's been down this weekend. Yes. And so like we haven't lived in the same area really most of my life. Um, but we're very close, I think. And it was just so good. Like, we went to church together on Saturday and, like, have some mutual friends. And then yesterday, the sun was out, so we were both, like, outside. And um, Oh, the sun being out. I'm going to talk about that in my new section, but anyway, keep going. Oh, oh, yeah, no, we just did some gardening. It was fun. Like, saw some family. It was just, like, really lovely. Like, I just, I think he's such a good guy. I'm That's very awesome. for my brother. Is yeah. he still around? No, he went back last night and I was like, you can stay. He's like, no, I have to go back to work. I was like, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> what about you? How are you? I am thankful for couples retreat. Went to couples retreat over the weekend. Oh, what did you learn? It was amazing. Uh, what was the highlight? Um, ooh, uh, the highlight. Well, the highlight was structured conversations. Oh, interesting. So you end up talking about things that you would never talk about because they say, okay, this is what you're going to talk about. And it's like, okay, that's what we're going to talk about. So we go and talk about it and we would never have done it. Done and it's so actually otherwise. quite good. And it's actually quite good. Mm. Mm, yeah, that was actually really cool. We had a lot of good time together. Very relaxing. Had a formal night last night. Last night? Night before. Um, quite romantic. All that kind of thing. Oh, cute. Yeah. Look at you guys. Awesome. No, that's really cool. Yeah, so we had uh, highly recommended to anybody out there, if you get the opportunity to go on a couple's retreat, it will be good for your relationship. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so what's happening in the world of positively different news this morning? Oh, so many. Actually, there were so many stories, but some of them were like real old. But I was like, these are cool stories. <laughs> Can't do old ones. I know, I know. Because we've already heard the old, the old ones have already been floating around on our Facebook for, for a long time. Yeah. I know. But the worst is when you find one that you're like, this is so good. And then you, like, I look at the source and I'm like, two years ago? Why are you only putting up this now? Useless. Yeah. <laughs> but recently, um, a group of scientists from North Carolina have discovered a type of fungus inside the destroyed reactors at Chernobyl. Okay. And so basically they're going, huh, if these forms of life can survive in, you know, quite unnatural circumstances, then maybe, and I don't fully understand the scientific process of this, but they're saying maybe we can find out what, what's in it that they can survive long, long-term radiation exposure. Ah, so we can, we can give ourselves mm. A, mm. Uh, a vaccination against atomic bombs. Well, actually, more so for astronauts. Ooh, mm. okay. Yeah, so because... There's like 20 times higher something. The ionizing radiation? Is that a word? Ionizing radiation? That's what it said. I don't know what it means. If that's what it says, yeah. then that's what we'll say. Okay, so it's 20 times higher, like outside of the magnetosphere and atmosphere of Earth. Yeah, in other words, our Earth was built with an atmosphere that was designed for humans to live on it. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and so basically, they're just trying to go, can we use this fungus or find a way to go um, use whatever's in there to transfer or. Um, to change nuclear energy into a protective agent. Um, and apparently it uses melanin pigment and converts it into chemical e- energy. They've tried some tests. It's only decreased the chance of this radiation by 2%. Uh, 
That's a bit lame. It's pretty, but but as good scientists, they're like, that's not a failure. This just needs more work. <laughs> <laughs> we have just discovered how not to do I'm this. Not, but I we think, haven't discovered how to. Oh, no, <laughs> we haven't failed. We've <laughs> we just discovered we just one way not to way. do it. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is really cool because, like, we're in a world of like sin and you know things have degraded and things. But Chernobyl was a really hectic time, and you know yes. for years you're still not allowed to go. No. to where it is because they're going, hmm, there's going to really bad impact to you. But I think it's fascinating that things are designed that they can still live in just these crazy places. Like I'm just like... Chernobyl's an interesting spot. It's actually on my bucket list of places I would love to go if I could mm, get a permit. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's pretty hard to get a permit to go in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can't stay very long. No. But it's this whole place that's just... Frozen in time. Mm. You look at the photos from it, and it's amazing how nature has just moved back in and taken over. It's turned to bush. It's yeah. full of animals. There's deer and all any kind of animal you can think of, just all sort of living there. And I just think, for me, so I take a lot of object lessons out of things, and I was like, this is just like a prime example that life can, can thrive. Maybe not as well as it could have, but it can thrive where so much destruction once was. Like, for me, I was like, ah, I'm going to take this little life lesson into my day, you know. <laughs> it's amazing how resilient life can mm. be here on this planet. Absolutely. You know, when our planet is wrecked and it's falling apart and, yeah, you've got fungus growing in a nuclear <laughs> disaster zone <laughs> yeah. that, inside the reactor. Yeah, that humans are now like, oh, maybe we could use some things here. <laughs> That's anyway, cool. I thought it was very cool. Um, another story, so in Kentucky, in the United States, um, in Springfield Nursing and Rehab Centre, um, they have built like a pond. It's really just, you know, almost like a swimming pool um, that you can fill up. Um, but they've they've decided to make it a place where the residents can go fishing, have a bit of a unique fishing experience. So the local fishermen go out and catch some fish, bring it into this little pool thing, and then they can like catch them themselves. And they're just like, I was watching a video of it, and just the joy on their face, and like just and for me, look, there's a bit a bit of a shout out to Angela who was working with you on the radio a little while ago. Gave her a call the other day because all the things that she believes about education, I was like, this is what I believe. I just don't have the research to back it up. Where she's like got knowledge. And, um, <laughs> so I've been very excited like reading this book that I had but she told me about called Last Child in the Woods, just shout out. It's just talking about being in nature, how important it is for us. Yes. And I just think I worked in a nursing home. It was my first full-time job after high school and that was one thing I noticed was they, a lot of them, there just wasn't any room to get outside. So there was no I'm sunshine. Be talking there was about no this fresh air. In the next news segment. Oh, hey, look at this. I've got to resist. This is just a little uh, segue for you then. It is. Um, it's going to be an amazing segue. But I just thought it was really cool that they're going, you know what? How do we improvise? How can we bring a bit of that like authentic life experience? Um, they're in a place where there's fish. I personally don't eat meat. I don't fish. It's not my thing. I don't get hunting or fishing at all. However, being in nature, I'm all about. And so many of these, some of these elderly people that are in nursing homes, you know, have that's been their thing for Absolutely. their entire life. Yep. And to be able to experience a little bit of that, you know, when they are at the sort of the end of their life, and mm. to, you know, to relive some of the joys of being outside and being in nature, it's just an amazing story right here. Absolutely, and like it was cool because you know a lot of them that I, I saw at least they obviously didn't put up all their pictures or anything. But, you know, some of them are looking quite frail and older and in the wheelchairs and in, you know, the different things. But I think there's something really important in giving even our elderly people that experience to have that independence, to have that experience and to have them have really authentic experiences of joy. Um, like 
my grandma is currently in this and she you know she's often like there's nothing to do here and um, I just think she's like the sweetest lady but I was like you know honestly that I think it would be really hard for her because she's had a life of independence and then you kind of just and a life of activity yeah yeah and suddenly all that is gone your independence is gone your activity is gone yeah yeah, this is a tough gig. Mm. It's a tough gig. But it's cool because it's something that's still relatively simple and because they because like the, the water isn't super deep. I mean, I'm not a great fisherwoman, let's just put that out there. But I went once last year and like sometimes when you're reeling something in, I was like, Oh, I'm I'm feeling different muscles, like this is like hard. <laughs> and then they're like, No, Minnie, you've got to do it like this. I was like, Oh, oh, okay. And you you know, you get the hang of it. But, you know, for them, Yes, they don't have a lot of strength, but they can still do it. You know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I just think that was a really cool story. And, the, and and it gets them outside. It gets them collecting, you know, some vitamin D from the sunshine. Absolutely. It's it's, it's good for their health. It's good for their emotional health. Mm. We have nursing homes because it gives people longevity. It doesn't always give them the quality of life that we want. You know, when, when people always used to live at home until they died, they lived much shorter lives mm. uh, because, you know, small things would sort of topple them off when they were in their old age. Now they live much longer lives, but, you know, it's the, the whole nursing home. And anything we can do to make that environment better mm. is something that, as Christians, we have a moral obligation to be involved in Aye. and to and to help people out. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so you're going to enjoy this story, Minnie. In fact, I've got two stories that go right along with what we've been talking about. This story is all about vitamin D, which is my favourite vitamin. I'm already excited. I was like, yes, let's talk about vitamin D. (laughs) Let's talk about about getting a bit of D in our Uh lives. Okay, so uh, new research has come out of the – this is by Dr. Megan Jensen from the Hunter Medical Research Institute at Newcastle University – show that uh, uh, women who have high vitamin D during pregnancy have children with less – uh, asthma. Interesting. So vitamin D is very, very, very much related to breathing diseases like asthma and wheezing and coughing and all hmm. those kind of things. Okay, so, um, and then of course she's like, yeah, we can probably improve this through supplements. I'm thinking, why would you try and improve vitamin D through supplements? When you have the sunshine. It's kind of free and yeah. you only need about half an hour of it a day to be able to get your daily dose, you know, on bare arms. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So just just head outside and, <laughs> you know, take your shirt off, get some sun on your arms, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And you get it for free. Why would you go and pop a pill? Uh-huh. And in Australia, because we have so much sunshine. Yes. Like if you're in a different country, um, okay, you know, sort of reasonable. But in Australia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's some countries like, that are super <laughs> cloudy all the time. You know, uh-huh. If you're living in Seattle, maybe pop some pills. But uh-huh. <laughs> we're not living in Seattle. This yeah. is Australia. This mm-hmm. is the land of sunshine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's where it gets even more interesting. So Italy uh, released a study last week where they have um, noted that a vitamin D deficiency is one of the most major contributors to heavy COVID infection. So it's a respiratory disease. Vitamin D mm-hmm. means that, you know, vitamin D in your life means you've got much lower chance of getting asthma, mm. right? So now... Um, of course, asthma, you know, combined with COVID is pretty lethal. Mm-hmm. Oh, if yeah. If those two together, you're in, in, uh, you're in bad shape. And so this is a new study and it's like, okay, if you want to solve, uh, not solve, but if you want to have much lower uh, infection of COVID, spend some time in the sun. So really what, as people are quarantining, 
different areas or when they, they should be doing the exact wrong thing. Yeah. So instead of staying indoors, shutting out, it should be, yep, social distance, but outside. So if be you're outside. quarantining inside, what's going to be incredibly important is to spend some time by a window mm. and preferably an open window to collect your, your daily dose of vitamin D. Yes. So, you know, put on some shorts and a singlet, sit in the window, go out on the balcony if you can, all that kind of stuff, get mm. that vitamin D because that's going to be one of the best uh, protections that you can get against a heavy COVID infection. Um, now, getting on to your story about the elderly. Mm-hmm. So now this is one of the reasons, apart from the fact that they're frail, yeah, is that the elderly are getting smacked by this so hard and particularly your aged care home mm-hmm. because the elderly don't get outside. Yeah, the, most of them have no access. They have no sun. Mm. They, they're, they're living inside in a very artificial environment. And so as a result of that, and, and, and you know, all of the research is coming out is that the best form of vitamin D is vitamin D that you get from the sun. You can take mm. supplements, but it's just not the same. Yes. That's kind of how it is with everything. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So uh, they've also noted that it's a major immune system booster for cold and flu. So if you want to avoid getting cold and flu, make sure you keep your vitamin D up high. One of the reasons that cold and flu goes around through winter is we kind of associate cold and flu to cold weather. It actually has nothing to do with cold weather. And the reason that we have a flu season is not because the weather is cold and it's like, oh, I'm shivering, I'm cold. It is because during cold weather... We are living closer to each other hmm. because we are spending less time outside outdoors, and so the flu spreads faster. Right, right, yes. So you know, there's you're under no threat by actually getting cold to catch a cold. You're under threat if you've been close to somebody who has that particular bug, and then you get cold, and your body is you know using up energy to warm itself that it should be using up to fight the flu. Mm. So that's what. But, I the other big thing is that during winter you're getting less vitamin D. Yes. This is why we have a cold and flu season. Do you know this is if I get sick or feel like I'm getting sick, that's like one of my first go-tos. My first is like sunshine and then like drink to smash heaps of water and then I just munch on ginger. Like those are my three like go-tos. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I obviously, like yeah, there's the cold, there's the not sleep, the, all the things. And that's obviously just okay, get smashed. The thing with vitamin D is that by the time you get the flu, it's a little bit late. But... I still stand by it's good if you're sick. It's if you're sick. That was a terrible sentence. To still get out and get into it. Yes, because sunlight mm. kills viruses. Mm. So it's still good Plain for you. It's it not necessarily going to just automatically get you better. No. But it's still helping your body try fight against it. Yes. So Queen Mary University in London um, has described vitamin D like a designer, a, a designer drug against infection. That's pretty strong language. Um, including covid so, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of information coming out on vitamin D at the moment in relationship to COVID. And we need to be taking particular notice on, on this one here in Australia right now because it's winter and we're not getting as much access to the sun as what we get during summer. Yes. But the good thing about the winter sun is that it's much less likely to burn you. It's a much safer sun. And so, yes, get out there and get some sun every day. Get your half hour of dose on your face and arms every day to... Uh, to get your minimum level of vitamin D. The National Institute of Healthcare Excellence in the United Kingdom um, says, oh, this was interesting, no evidence for vitamin D supplements having an effect on people who are already infected with COVID. Oh, interesting. Yes. So only natural sun. 
Like natural only sun. vitamin D from the sun. Natural sun and before you catch mm, it. Interesting. That's where it, that's where it really kicks in. Oh, I'm and expecting so reports is, that you've been in the sun then. Tomorrow when I come in, I'm expecting to hear you've been in the sun today. I love the sun. The, yeah. sun, the, the sun and I are just really good friends. It, it kind of has, it comes with um, having some Sri Lankan blood, you know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's just like, yeah, uh, makes it that much easier. All right, so here's the really scary thing. According to Curtin University, um, a quarter of Australians are deficient in vitamin D. Now, that is just absolutely bizarre. We live in one of the sunniest countries in the world, and one in four of us are deficient in vitamin D. Do you know why? Because we stay indoors? Um, We have been too schooled into slip-slop-slap, so we slip-slop-slap ourselves into oblivion, and we are terrified of the sun because of melanoma. Um, and we should not be terrified of the sun because of melanoma, but we should be terrified of a high-fat diet. Mm. So if you have a high-fat diet, the sun hits your skin, it creates cancer cells. If you have a low-fat diet, the sun hits your skin, it creates vitamin D. That's a very simplistic way of looking at it, mm. but it's our diet that is killing us, not the sun. Now, does that mean we should get too much sun? Does that mean we should get sunburn? No, not at all. Um, so slip, slop, slap, and indoor jobs are what killing Australians, and yep. meaning that a quarter of us don't get enough sun. So once again, during your lunch break, if you work in the office, go out of the office, go to the park, go to the lawn outside, get your shirt off, uh, wear a singlet, whatever, and get some sun on your skin skin rather than just sitting around under fluorescent lights, Mm. which are kind of like terrible things. Liam's just uh, lifted the blinds here a bit, but now the sun's Ah, coming straight into his eyes. The sun is streaming (laughs) in, the sun is streaming in. Okay, and uh, yeah, and and the Curtin University said this one. This may be one of our one of our most powerful tools in fighting COVID. You know what? That's a strong statement, right there. Yeah, I was going to say. You know what's crazy is that for centuries, this is not this is not research you would have had to have because people would they were just outside more. That's do you right. Know what I mean, like you didn't need to do the research because it just it was such a part of life. Yes. Whereas it's only been really relatively recent history that we've lived so much indoors. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Etienne McClintock. Uh, Etienne, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lord. Good to be with you again. Now, of course, Etienne comes to us from Voice of the Martyrs, which uh, tracks uh, persecution against Christians around the world and also supports Christians in persecuted countries and environments. Etienne, what has been happening in the last month? Well, you know, persecution uh, has not slowed down at all during COVID. If, if anything, it's, it's got worse because people are being discriminated against simply because of their faith, even in regards to receiving aid. You know, we've had it where um, Christians have been chased off the land sometimes just by uh, you know, the people within the community. Sometimes it's actually been a government thing. And even when aid has come their way, uh, like stories that we get out of China at the moment, the government has said to them, unless they actually are obedient to the government in regards to their, their Christian practices and follow the, the CCP, so the uh, Chinese Communist Party, they will not receive any aid, they will not receive any stipend like the rest of the community are receiving during this tough time. Now, many of the people in those countries, China and other places, are not wealthy and rich. A lot of them are actually hand-to-mouth kind of people. If they don't work, they can't feed themselves. So they do rely on other means to actually feed their family. And basically what we're seeing here is an economic boycott against those who remain faithful to Christ. So it's been a really tough, uh, tough time for them. 
Okay, so an economic boycott against Christians. I mean, we read about that in the Bible where you know it talks about a time where no one can buy or sell except those that have the mark of the beast. That's an economic boycott right there against people of faith, of Christian faith in, you know, specifically. Exactly. So this is basically a bit of a five-rule. As we look at this, we recognize the prophecies in the Bible foretold. Now, this is not an official statement. It's not law because in China, for example, they actually through their constitution, are guaranteed religious freedom and religious liberty. But it's not being practiced as such. And there's even people who lose their lives. They go into prison. They're tortured. A lot of, a lot of people actually lose their lives in a place like China. But it's not, it's not official policy. So uh, what we know about the persecution in the end times is that it will actually become um, prophecy if it tells us that it will actually be, become part of law. So the no buying, no selling will be legislation. Uh, the, the death decree is a decree, so that actually means it will be legislation as well. So we're seeing a bit of a fire rule here in many respects for Christians of what is coming on the world, but this is uh, not as bad as it will be at that time. Mm, very so sobering. Talking very... about a global... Sorry. No, I was just saying very sobering to um, hear what you're saying. Yeah, you know, so we're talking about a global phenomenon at that stage. At this stage, we operate in 68 countries and territories around the world. Um, that's up in the last decade or so from about 50 countries. So there's definitely a growing hostility towards Christians. So we know at the moment there are 200 million Christians living in areas where persecution is severe and another 400 million living in areas where they are at high risk. So that's 600 million Christians just there. But in general, if we look at some of the stats that come through, there's 260 million Christians last year that were persecuted for their faith. And if you compare that to two years ago, uh, that's up 45 million. I mean, that's significant. It's, it's, it's huge. So we're dealing with big numbers. What's, what's driving that increase? I mean, you've, you've, you've got an increase over the last 10 years. Even if we look at China, you know, uh, 15, 20, 25 years ago, China was a much freer, you know, it's never, it's never been free in our lifetime, but it sure. was definitely freer than what it is right now. What is driving the increase in persecution? Is it because there have been there has been negative effects to uh, relaxing religious liberty? Well, it's an interesting question. In China, for example, we know that there's been a change in leadership. So... Um uh, we know President Xi has, uh, has uh, pushed really strongly for Chinese identity and top Chinese culture to replace a Christian uh, worldview. We, uh, we also see the growth of Christianity being considered a risk to the Chinese Communist Party because it's a different ideology. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party is obviously based on uh, some form of secularism, although that's not entirely true because, I mean, the leaders are highly revered and are to be respected. And in some places, they even worshipped around the world under Marxism ideology. So uh, with Christianity growing, and we know there's um, about 130 million Christians in China, um, we see that they see this as a greater risk and they're trying to stamp it out. So even when they started relaxing some of the uh, restrictions against Christians for a few years there, under President Xi, uh, that's changed quite significantly. And uh, we hear about the Uyghurs quite often, you know, who've been putting... Uh, in camps to re-educate them. Uh, there's about 2 million people there in, the, in those internment camps. A lot of them are Christians as well. And there's some terrible things happening there, you know, terrible atrocities where they have the harmed people actually moving in. When the husbands are taken out, the harmed people move in. And, of course, uh, uh, families are disrupted, uh, women are raped. And at the same time, what they're trying to do is they're trying to um, 
integrate the different cultures and the different uh, ethnicities into a new group of people just trying to undermine what some of the Muslims believe and of course some of the Christians believe as well. So kind of like a kind of like a religious genocide? Yes, yes, you can call it that, definitely. People are definitely losing their life, and a lot of them are actually uh, working very hard. And uh, some people actually die while they're in, in some of those uh, those labor, hard labor uh, camps. The, the food is not always very good. And uh, even for, for people who do want to eat pork, for example, you know, the, the food that's provided is pork-based. So they're really trying to undermine their whole identity and also their religion through this whole process. So I, I've sort of been looking of like just at the whole... Uh, concept of persecution and suffering and uh, you know that the um, theologians have a, a word for it they call it theodicy uh, of course it comes from the Greek word theos which means God and DK which means justice and God's justice and there are basically five world views that you can look at when you're trying to explain suffering, evil, persecution uh, materialism is the first one, then you've got pantheism then you get into the uh, theistic, more the, the Christian worldviews, which is your dynamist deterministic theism, appeasement theism, and then you also have benevolent theism. And as I've been looking through this, uh, materialism, that's where your atheism, your communism, that secular mind view sits, and that's always been a persecuting power against God's people. But then also you have pantheism. Now, pantheism is an interesting belief. It's actually the belief that God is in everything. Um, Now, the word pan means all, and theos obviously means God. And even if you uh, meet some people now who practice you know, Eastern meditation and those sorts of things, quite often, I've now of late even had people greet me with the term Namaste. Now, if you go to India, of course, that's how they say hello to each other. They sometimes even hold their hand up. Or if you go to Nepal, uh, and that just simply means bowing to you or I bow to you. And the spiritual meaning of that is the divine in me respectfully recognizes the divine in you. But when Christianity comes in, it actually attacks these sentiments because we believe that we're not divine. We believe that there's only one divine being, and that's God. God is one, but uh, three personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is the only one that's worthy of worship. And, of course, when you look at pantheism as expressed, say, in Hinduism, you have a caste system. You have a system where people believe in reincarnation. So if you've had a, a lived a good life, you'll come back at a higher level in the caste system. If you've lived a poor life and you've been a nasty individual, you come back in the lower form. So that then obviously sanctions poor behavior from the top to the bottom. And if you have four caste systems, you know, the peasants, everything coming to them is they deserve because of a bad lived experience in a previous life. Now, of course, Christianity puts all of that aside. We say that all are equal. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is more just or righteous than another one. And we all need the grace and salvation of the Lord. And that, of course, attacks directly and targets directly that teaching of um, reincarnation and the caste system and also karma, in a sense. So, uh, you know, pantheism doesn't mind you having Jesus as, as, as God or, you know, worshipping as, him as Lord, as long as you're also happy to embrace all the other millions of gods that they have. But as soon as you make it exclusive and say that Jesus Christ is the only way the only truth and the only life, and that no one can come to God, the Father, but through Christ, then, of course, you're attacking pantheism in a big way. Um, I can share some stories if we have some time. Just the story out of India at the moment. It's just happened recently, uh, Lyle. Go ahead. Go ahead. We've got about uh, five minutes left, so we would love to hear some stories. Okay. 
Now, quite often when people are attacked or, or, or they, they'll normally attack the church leadership first, you know, they'll attack the pastor. And uh, I've got a story here of a teenager, he's only 16 years old, that actually stepped into a gap that was created when uh, in the Odisha state in India, uh, the pastor was attacked. So his name is Samaru uh, uh, Makami. And uh, he's leading a little tiny church in his village in Odisha. And, but the Hindu militants uh, resented the fact that Shamaru and two other families had turned to Christ, and that was only in the last few years. And then they drove out the church's original pastor. Uh, I think he escaped with his life. And then Shamaru, there was no one else to step in the gap. This just points out to me how important leadership is and how leadership can make a difference, a huge difference. Under the leadership of President Xi, for example, as we just spoke before, there's been a strong clampdown on Christianity where under the previous president, uh, those restrictions were easing and things were improving significantly for Christians in China. But uh, recently extremists dragged uh, Samaru from his house in Kenduka village. They took him to the mountains and they actually killed him. A 16-year-old, you know, stepped in and, and filled the position of a pastor, young, young, young man, and released International, which is our partner in the UK, so they're part of Voice of the Martyrs group. They reported the murder to the police. Uh, four men were actually arrested. And our partner organization now supporting all three Christian families in Kenduka uh, that moved them elsewhere for safety. So quite often what we do in our work is we have safe houses or safe places where we move people when uh, persecution has escalated significantly and their lives are in danger. Now, uh, we hear from Release International in the UK that uh, such attacks are quite common and they're on the increase during the pandemic. So persecution is flourishing in those villages under lockdown or subject to curfew. Because, I mean, if you're subject to curfew, if you found the walking around somewhere after those hours, uh, you're in trouble. But if you stay in the village, you're in trouble as well because these people are targeting you because of your Christian faith. So unfortunately, Samaru is one of the growing number of Christians being persecuted and even martyred in India as radical Hindu nationalism spreads across the country. Uh, now, a tribal group persuaded a Maoist militant to shoot and kill Pastor Mishnu Debu just on July 10 this year. And this pastor had led 15 families, so quite a number, to Christ in Bhatpa village. And this is in Maharashtra state. And then uh, I can give you some more information here. This is, uh, I sometimes butcher these names, but uh, Karas Gar state, we've got Bajumai Mandavi, a widow who had suffered persecution for refusing to announce Jesus. And she was just found dead at the end of May as well, just outside of Tutman village where she lived. So we see a lot of this persecution on the increase under COVID restrictions. In some countries, people are using COVID restrictions actually to share the gospel. You know, if you wear a face mask and you've got facial identity recognition software being used with mega data like they are in China, uh, it's actually quite helpful to hide your identity and then share the gospel and hand out tracts, which of course is illegal there. Mm. That's um, it would be a gutsy move in a country like that as well. Just coming back to um, something you mentioned a little bit earlier, you talked about you know some of these people that have lost their lives for their faith. Um, perpetrators have been arrested by the police. What kind of justice is being handed out to people who are persecuting Christians in places like India? You know, could, could we expect them to get a life sentence or something like that? No, not always. Unfortunately, the sentences are very light, if any. And quite often, you know, the people are just released uh, without actually being sentenced, or the sentences may be just a house arrest. Uh, the, the sentences are very light compared to the crime, so there's no justice in it. Occasionally you get a sentence where you think, oh, well, that's a little bit more reasonable, it's getting closer to what we would consider just in the West. 
But in those other countries, because of the nationalism and because of the great support that they get from the rest of the community who are anti-Christian, uh, we don't see much by way of, of true justice there. But ultimately, we know from Scripture that no one gets away with anything. Each one of us individually will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what we've done in the body, whether it be good or evil. And uh, we know that you know, terrible things happen in this world. Sometimes there's injustice. People die. There's no, there's no justice served at that time. But ultimately, the Lord will make everything right one day and justice will be served. Now, all of us, of course, are guilty, Lyle. At the end of the day, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we can receive God's forgiveness through Christ and his incredible suffering and his death for each one of us. Uh, but he doesn't just leave us there. Of course, the resurrection comes and uh, we are born again through Christ also. And we can live a new life, a life of hope, uh, a life of peace with God and our fellow man. But unfortunately, the response is not always one of peace. Mm. And that's where persecution comes in when they're trying to shut down our witness for Christ. Etienne, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. That uh, was Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. And, of course, if you want to support the work that they are doing, just uh, look them up uh, online, Voice of the Martyrs. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Question of the day, Minnie, what is our question of the day? Okay, so could the Earth, just as a planet, have existed by itself? Nothing on it, no light, no anything. Could it Could it have happened in the beginning? Yes, but before creation, right? Before creation. That was that was what the question yes. that came through. Before, yeah, yeah, sorry, before creation, yeah, before, before creation. Uh-huh. So was was light when light and you know was the day was that the first created on the first day was that the first, so we have six days but you mm-hmm. know how many billion years previous to that we had a, an, an empty rock hanging in space is is that the question yes yes okay so, all right Genesis one one if Go you back to the read beginning. Genesis one one you could make an allowance for that which is kind of interesting let's read it Genesis chapter one verse one in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth well you could say which beginning was that. <laughs> Uh, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Well, maybe God's just turned up to our planet at this particular point, and he's like, okay, it's been sitting here as a blank canvas for all these billion years. Now let's start creating on it. And God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So the Bible says this was the first day, but was the earth created on that day? Is there room in this passage mm. for the earth to have pre-existed the first day? Okay. Just in case you were looking for some wiggle room there, <laughs> I'm about to disappoint you. Brilliant. And brilliant. Uh, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and where the Bible says in verse 11, Four in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. Now, of course, that throws up another question about heaven, which is a question we're going to do for question of the day tomorrow, where we're going to talk about the three heavens and find out which heaven was created on this particular day. Brilliant. But the Bible says, for in six days, God created the heaven and the earth. So we know that the earth was created on day one. Now, another interesting aspect to this argument is this. Basically, when you're looking at the earth, you're looking at geology. You're looking at rocks, Mm -hmm. really. That's what it's all about. It's just um, people that have never got over playing with rocks are called geologists. (laughs) Uh, And so 
You're looking at rocks. Now, what's interesting about looking at rocks is that a lot of the rocks that make up our Earth contain life forms. Mm. Okay, mm. if you've got life, you can't have life before creation. Yes. Okay, so you know, you've got a lot of that that uh, we've got to deal with here on this Earth. And so uh, having an Earth that is older than 6,000 years, you know, the biblical thereabouts, 6,000 6, years, doesn't solve the problem of a lot of what we see in geology. Mm. Now, it might solve the problem of some, but then you go to granite. Granite is the original crust of the Earth, and there is very, very good evidence within the granite that it actually came into existence instantaneously. The fingerprints that you can find in the granite that it arrived instantaneously. Hmm. And so once again, these things are, you know, uh, there's, there is room for interpretation. We need to always recognize that. But the evidence is well explained through a 6,000 years ago creation event. Amazing. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.